Three, two, one. Welcome to the Dave of the Dog Trainer podcast, episode 79. Here we are. Here we are. 79. What's good, Josh? Oh, you know, still playing in that housing market. Uh, lost uh, the third time in a row, but going to pick ourselves up and keep going. That's it. Other than that, had on top of house hunting had, uh, five shoots last week. Yeah, you seem busy. Yeah, it was a lot, but... Uh, been well worth it so i'm uh i'm excited for working with new and old clients at the same time love to hear it yeah how about you dude we're staying busy got a lot of dogs we're working with um getting past fourth of july obviously we had um tons of dogs in for boarding um and that's ultimately what we're going to be talking about today um we what's interesting is you know, I used to do like a formal 4th of July post every year. I had one that I made yeah. like maybe like six years ago, and I just kind of reposted that one constantly. And then I kind of started thinking about it, you know. We always make these 4th of July posts like a week before 4th of July, four yeah. days before 4th of July and stuff like that. And I'll tell you, if you're waiting until a week before, four days before to start getting some of this stuff under control, you are setting yourself up for failure, yeah, right? Now, bit. listen, if you got a dog and you've done training with them and this and that, you know, you can implement those training techniques to start working through these issues. But a lot of times you want to start now, like right now for next year, right? So we're fresh off of 4th of July right mm-hmm. now. The first thing you should be doing is you should be asking yourself, how did my dog do, right? Yeah. You know, what was their behavior like this 4th of July or, or this 4th of July week? Because a lot of times it's not just the day. It's no. kind of the whole week surrounding oh, yeah. it. You know, you're dealing mm-hmm. with sporadic fireworks, this, that, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to ask yourself, how did your dog do with it? Were they, you know, pretty unbothered by it? Were they mildly bothered by it? Or were they like completely out of control over that behavior, (laughs) right? Yeah. And you want to start putting together a game plan as far as how to work through this. And a part of what started this is this year, like I said, I didn't make my own 4th of July post. Call me lazy, call me whatever. I didn't do it. (laughs) But I reposted something that Gary Wilkes posted. And it stirred up a little bit of controversy on my page. Whatever, you know, (laughs) So what I want to do is a couple things, right? So like I want to read the post that I reposted. I want to talk about that post and talk about some people's issues that they ultimately had in that post. Yeah. Right. Um, I want to talk about my way of working through like noise phobia. So so primarily, I think the two big ones are like thunderstorms and fireworks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about why a lot of the things people will recommend that you do initially are just frankly just just BS in my opinion, right? Or maybe not necessarily BS, but they're BS as far as it being a solution, right? Mm. BS as far as it being this like long-term solution that's going to work through your problem, right? Yeah. Um, And, you know, discuss how like our training and stuff like that can kind of help you get past these types of issues. So you can get started on this now, right? Because frankly, again, the more preparation you have, the more opportunities, if your dog really struggled with the fireworks, they probably struggle with things like thunderstorms or they struggle with other sorts of loud noises and stuff like that, that you Mm -hmm. can start simulating and getting the dog used to these types of things. Yeah. Right. Josh, how, how does Bender do with he's great stuff like that? I, I think the reason he's great is because we've lived over, you know, some bars for a while. Yeah. So uh, he's pretty pretty used to noise outside. Um, so actually, he's really great. <laughs> yeah, like no issues. No issues. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't get stressed out or anything. Yeah. So they actually had the like the Italian festival we went to yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. They did fireworks, and we had him. Uh, we went to our friend's house, which is just a couple of blocks away from where they were doing it, and he was just sitting there. Yeah, it was just fine. 
Yeah, I think, so again, like we talked about, there's dogs of all different calibers when it comes to noise phobia issues. Mm-hmm. Like, like you got the mildly bothered, you got the, the yeah. really bothered, and you got the dogs that just could give a shit about that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. And there's definitely a genetic component at play with those types of things. Yeah. Yes, sometimes, you know, two years down the road, like something crazy can happen. You'd be out on a walk and not prepared, and a firework or something super loud can go off three mm-hmm. feet away from you and spook the dog yeah. and set him into this cycle of getting freaked out about it. Mm-hmm. But most times, your dog, I is going to display these behaviors or they're not going to display these behaviors. Yeah. And, you know, I used to say, when I would talk to my clients about this kind of stuff, I used to say, you know, I got lucky that none of my dogs had these types of yeah. issues, right? Yeah. And, like, yes, I think my dogs are all relatively genetically sound when it comes to um, noise-based things. But the more that I think about this and the more I talk about this and the more I work through these issues with different clients, it's not. it really is not a luck thing, right? No. I think we as trainers we, whether consciously or not, we know how to work through these types of issues where they're not going to be problems or they're not going to become problems as the dog gets older, right? Yeah. So let's look at like all of, all of my dogs I had. Like Cade never really displayed any of those types of things. He was pretty good with noises and stuff like that, pretty mm-hmm. unbothered with those types of things. Um, Vera, same deal. She's probably my most like genetically sound dog that I have as far as just being stable and unbothered by stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Deli used to have prior to training when she was like before my wife and I met, she used to have issues with, uh, motorcycles, which Mm. is a type of phobia, obviously, right. Or a type of fear typically due to it being loud, fast and zipping by. Mm -hmm. Right. So things like that would set her off a little bit, but post training, that wasn't a problem. Yeah. Um, Vinny, because we were training him for competitive purposes, we got past shit like that before it would have even been a problem, right? So oh, one yeah. of the drills that we worked on when we did the competitive training is we had to do a, uh, a flea attack where you'd send your dog on a bite on a decoy while that person had a starter pistol and they would fire off that starter pistol in mm-hmm. here, which, uh, gunshot phobia, like if you look at hunting dogs and stuff like that, very, very, very similar to things like fireworks, mm-hmm. um, or things like thunderstorms or stuff like that. Yeah. It still produces the same kind of like barometric pressure shift right mm-hmm. around the dog. It's still ridiculously loud and it's happening right next to them obviously mm-hmm. um and then waffles actually looking at it when i first got him had a lot of weird phobias of things right he hmm. was a nervous i used to i used to make i mean you probably could have heard me talk about it in this podcast a million times that he um was i used to talk about he's he was a fucking weenie you know what i mean like he's a weenie and a half about yeah. everything and it was yeah. interesting for him like cars noises like all sorts of things I remember I used to I used to take him in the front yard, right, when I would load him up into my car to leave. And we're on, like, a moderately busy road, I guess. You know, it's not like it ain't yeah. like a freaking, like, interstate, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no. um, but we get a lot of traffic that comes by and stuff yeah. like that. And it was interesting. Like, as soon as I would take him into the front yard, like, his tail would totally tuck under his body. He'd be wide, whale-eyed, staring at the traffic, you know, mm. freaking out, <laughs> stuff like that, yeah. right? Like, he would try to run back to the house, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't have any of those issues now. I can take him in the front yard off leash and walk him up to the car and this and that. And you you know the interesting thing, and the reason why I think I have such a strong opinion on this kind of stuff that counters a lot of what other trainers will tell you is because we've been working through these kinds of issues for so long now. You know what I mean? And again, just using my personal dogs as an example, I know how to desensitize a dog to something like gunshots on a uh, flea attack, right? Mm. Or um, 
Waffles going to the car and being super spooked by the traffic and having this like flea instinct of yeah. run and hide, uh, or Deli, whose instinct was get scared of something and run and chase or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it, it's interesting because you look at their fear of those things and they're irrational fears, mm-hmm. right? The dog is scared of the thing for seemingly no reason. Now we could discuss again. I think in a lot of cases, it's really the barometric pressure shift that really spooks the dogs and that like physiological shift that they feel that mm-hmm. is uncommon to them that really is what's scaring them in those situations, yeah. right? Because they don't understand that thing as opposed to the noise. And that's why I think a lot of people's ideas of like, oh, we'll play thunderstorms on your television yeah. and, you know, <laughs> go go have a, a fireworks blowing off on your radio. And it's just, it's not the, it's not not the, the same. same. And you could play that desensitizing game all day long with your dog, but when the real thing actually happens, you you typically have no, you know, you, have, you typically have no control over it. Yeah. But those responses that my dogs displayed to those types of things, in the case of Waffles, whose response was, I get scared of this thing and I just book it to my safe location. And in Deli's case, I get scared of this thing and I react and try to like not attack it but yeah. like go for it kind of thing mm-hmm. that is the root of the problem right the root of the problem is my dog has an irrational fear of something yeah and they're learning to display an uncomfortable or not uncomfortable sorry an inappropriate response to that behavior mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. the more you allow them to cycle through that let's say every time waffles got scared of something i let him just book it to his safe spot Mm-hmm. Right. Or every time Deli got scared of something, I let her get away with just reacting towards that thing. Then it starts to become a habit and it gets more and more intense. And the dog gets more and more into that state of mind of just acting impulsively because they're not thinking when they're in that state of mind. Yeah. They're just scared. Default response. Do this scared. Default response. Yeah. Do this. And it becomes more and more subconscious. The more that they rehearse it, it becomes more and more of a problem, obviously. Yeah. Right, or the fight or flight kind of mentality. It, exactly, right. But but again, not even consciously making yeah. that decision, just just getting into that zone, mm-hmm. and then we start realizing, right, like we're letting them act on these behaviors, right? We're not able to give any sort of guidance through that situation, and we're essentially making the problem ten times worse. Yeah, right. So I have always lived by a mentality with this kind of stuff, both with my dogs as well as with my clients' dogs of. If there is something that is an irrational fear, right? Mm. And I specifically say irrational fear because I'm not telling you that if Vinny's in a downstay right here and a firework literally goes off right there, that I think it's realistic that he should be able to keep himself under control in that situation. That would be a very scary scenario to happen. And though you could you know, gradually desensitize, and I use desensitize loosely, obviously, your dog to those types of things to the Mm. point where Vinny was, you know, starter pistols were going off while he was biting that person right next to him, and he was able to get used to that, obviously. That is a little bit more of a progression of working up to. Yeah. But an irrational fear of something going on outside of the house, somewhere else, it's not even near you, right? And you're getting freaked out of it. I would expect to hold my dog to a standard of being able to focus in around that thing. Right. It's okay that you're scared of something, but you can't get scared of these things and then rehearse these inappropriate or potentially dangerous behaviors post that. Mm -hmm. Right. And the more you block that habit and you snap them out of that state of mind, the quicker they get past these types of things. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So and this is why I think that most trainers, you're going to be hard pressed to find a trainer 
that is at least a balanced trainer, right? Yeah, Somebody yeah. that's using consequences and stuff like that. Because in a lot of cases, these fear-based responses, reward alone isn't going to help them work through those types yeah. of things. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a trainer that has a dog that has really serious noise phobia issues. I'm not saying they don't exist, but I'm saying if they do exist, it's probably due to the owner of that dog or the trainer not holding them to a firm enough standard over this kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, it typically is not due to those trainers doing countless, countless, countless desensitization drills and giving them frozen Kongs and peanut butter and having <laughs> them hide in the basement and stuff yeah. away from this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's management. That's not solving the problem. That's avoiding the problem. Mm-hmm. Right now, another reason why I think people get so emotionally charged over the firework discussion and the thunderstorm discussion and stuff like that is because I think it then puts you in a position where you're immediately put on blast of the quote unquote like ethics of working through it. Like, wow, like your dog is so petrified of this thing. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you just let them just go somewhere where they feel safe? Right. Why yeah. would you try to work them through it? And the reason why I always say that I would try to work them through that is because what's the alternative? The alternative is I let them just rehearse this inappropriate behavior and I let them cycle through this fearful state of mind and I let them never get past the issue. And then when I'm out on my walk three years later and it's not 4th of July and it's not a thunderstorm going on, but suddenly a car backfires going down the road mm-hmm. and my dog's default response is run yeah. and then they take off on me and I accidentally drop my leash and I lose them and go get hit by a car. It's going to bleed into something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to make sure around any of these like irrational fears my dog displays that I have control over them. Mm-hmm. And that is the key 100%. of getting past these types of issues, right? And we'll yeah. get into specific examples in a little bit. But what I want to do is I want to read this post first. Now, again, fair warning, right? It's a Gary Wilkes post, <laughs> right? He's fucking like 70 years old he is <laughs> sassy as fuck oh, yeah. right and he writes everything blunt as shit right Very so. so fair warning but i'll dissect it a little bit okay and we'll get to the bottom of this here right okay. so this is what wait. i reposted this is what gary wilkes said okay <clears throat> gary said i've been in situations where something bad was happening and there was nothing i could do about it i lived Tonight, zillions, that's a confirmed number from Wikipedia, of dogs will go bat poop crazy over fireworks. Too bad it's not going to kill them. Mostly, it's the owners who stay panicked for hours. So, get your trusty gentle leader. Oh, you don't use one of them? Then you're out of luck for this task. (laughs) Go outside near midnight. Sit tight and ride out about 10 minutes of your dog's terror while you stay in control with the halter. Or when the dog's antics are disrupting the house, you could say no and bonk the hyperactivity. If you were smart, you'd have taught the dog my rope boundary training and let the rope do the work. What's the key to this? A simple rewrite of FDR's famous quote, you could only cure fear with fear itself. Think about it for a second and you will agree. You have a simple choice. You could diminish the arousal or you could let it persist. Let your dog suffer through hours of terror because you are terrified of applying any sort of restraint that would scare the dog. Here's a hint. Your dog is already scared. You are afraid of the emotion that is already on overload. So do something or not. Tell your dog, it's not the fireworks you have to worry about. It's me. Otherwise, the dog comes to the conclusion that the fireworks, God, is more powerful than you are. Remember, during the Civil War, Plow horses were turned into artillery horses in a morning and shot over in the afternoon. Current war dogs thrive on big noise. Yes, there is a genetic component to it, 
but you can't do gene therapy on your dog. So get to work and do something productive. Control the situation or wallow in your dog's terror. Bad owner, bad owner. Did you notice I didn't mention treats and gradual desensitization? <laughs> this man. He's, uh, he's out there. Just he's telling always, it how it is. Always has the hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what's your first impression on that? I mean... <laughs> Bre- so, you break that down for me first. I mean... <laughs> First off, I think a part of the reason yeah. I reposted it is because I thought it was hilarious. Dude, it's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> but again, there is a lot of truth to the post as well, which again we'll kind of we'll kind of break into. But yeah, yeah. what what's your first takes there? <laughs> I mean, he's correct in in everything, just in a very harsh way. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think my favorite part was the FDR. Like yeah. <laughs> The only thing you have to what was it? Fear, the only the only way to cure fear, cure fear is, is fear itself. Fear itself. Um, and I don't know the stabs at the the treats and all that. Yeah. That's that's good too. But um, I mean, yeah, force it. You kind of have to force your dog into those uncomfortable situations. You know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, because it is true. I mean, if you just keep babying the problem, you're never fixing it. Yeah, and again, there's so many different like like. There's so many different degrees of this, right? Yeah. And the the more people, ha- the people have a hard time with when they get to the more extreme degrees. Because let's take mm. a minor example, right? Dog yeah. doesn't walk downstairs, right? Yeah. Or walk upstairs. We see it all the time. I saw it with, that's another thing I saw with Waffles when he was mm. being a weenie, right? He would not go, he was terrified of the stairs, right? Mm. And guess what we did? We walked up and down the stairs. You know what yeah. I mean? Every day when we needed to go down the stairs, I didn't beg him to go down the stairs, Right. I didn't pick him up and carry him up and down because he was scared of them, mm-hmm. right? I didn't try to get him to follow treats down down the stairs or anything like that. Yeah. We just walked up and down the stairs, right? Scares. Mm-hmm. The scares. The scares. <laughs> we, we walked up and down the stairs because he was scared of them. Yeah. And guess what? After a week, he was no longer scared of them, right? Mm-hmm. Zero desensitization, yeah. right? There was zero ability for him to do anything other than go down those stairs, yeah. right? And guess what? The first time I did it, I've talked about this a million times, it was a mess. He was screaming bloody murdy, murder, mm-hmm. right? He was thrashing around on the leash. He's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to yeah. do it. And finally, he did it, <laughs> right? And then he was like, okay, I did it. Yeah. That sucked. The second time he did it, same deal. Scream bloody murder, then went down the stairs, didn't it? And then he did it, and he was like, okay, that didn't suck as bad as I thought it sucked. Mm-hmm. And then each time it got better and better and better and better, right? Yep. And what was what was the way that we solved that problem, equating it to Gary's post here, right? We used, quote-unquote, fear, yeah. right? Fear. The fear of the leash pressure or whatever it may be, yeah. right, to get him past that. We made him face that fear, mm-hmm. right? And we gave him clear information to get him to overcome that and do it on his own, and yeah. he was able to get past it from it, Yep. right? He realized it wasn't optional, right? Yeah. He realized that the direction I was giving was more important and something he needed to pay more attention to than the things that he's scared of, it's right? True. And that's because we knew it was an irrational fear. We mm-hmm. knew there was nothing to be scared about in that moment. That's true, yeah. Right? Now, something like that, something like stairs, we work on that all the time with clients. We have a two-floor facility, right? Yeah. We've got dogs that got to go up those stairs, right? Mm-hmm. And we got plenty of dogs that have never done stairs in their life that are terrified of them. Right. Or we have dogs that live in houses that have stairs that never have done them in their life. Yeah. Right. And we get them up and down them. And by the time we get to the end of that program, that dog is a goddamn champ at doing stairs. Oh, yeah. Right. And 
owners don't have an issue with that. You know what I mean? Because there's not so much stigma around stairs. And in our mind, we look at it like there's not, there's, we can say there's literally nothing to be scared of. We don't have a problem with working the dog through that situation. That's true. We don't have a problem with quote unquote forcing the dog to handle that situation and work through that situation so they can get better with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Something like fireworks in particular, because there's so much talk around 4th of July of, Oh my God, every dog is terrified of these things. We make it seem like there's something to be scared of. And we Mm. know there's not. Particularly, and I'm clarifying, particularly when we have dogs that are just at home, right? I'm not telling you to go out and take your dog to fireworks shows and stuff like that. I don't (laughs) think that that's a good idea. I don't think that's productive for anybody, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if you're hanging out in your house, there's nothing to be scared of with those fireworks. And we have to teach the dog to overcome those types of things. Yeah. Right? So... Let me pull this up again here. Let's actually break this down here. Okay. Right? <clears throat> so, his first solution for it, obviously, get your trusty gentle leader, go outside near midnight, sit tight, and ride out about 10 minutes of your dog's terror while you stay in control with the, the halter, right? Now, couple things people had a big issue with on this, one of which I understand is in his post, he said, go outside and use your gentle leader. Right mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, there should have been a little bit of clarity as far as make sure there is either a backup on that in case the dog gets loose from it, or make sure you're in a contained area. When mm-hmm. I I get that right. <laughs> I I understand. Yeah. <laughs> right. But past that, right, the point of go to you know find the situation this is going to be challenging for whether it's in your house whether it's in your backyard, whether it's in your front yard, make sure you're in a contained area or make sure you're being safe where the dog can't actually get away and get the dog to do something very, very specific and hold them accountable to doing that very specific thing. Yeah. Right? Now, my dogs are all great with it at this point, but I remember years ago when I was first working through some of this kind of stuff, I always had a fenced-in backyard and I wasn't worried about my dogs getting out and they were never massively scared of these things because, again, I put in all the groundwork to make sure that these things weren't big issues. Yeah. But I would do a downstay with them, right? Mm-hmm. We'd go hang out on the patio and I would put them into a downstay and if they got a little spooked by a noise and got up and tried to go back to the house or got up and tried to go investigate what that noise was, I would correct them for it and I would put them back into that downstay and I would tell them, hey, you don't have to worry about that right now. You just have to worry about this mm-hmm. and you have to worry about the information I'm giving you. Yeah. Right? And as you do that, what happens is the dog's attention becomes more and more on you. Right? Mm-hmm. Second part he said here, right? Or when the dog's antics are disrupting the house, you could say no and bonk the hyperactivity. If you were smart, you'd have taught the dog my boundary rope training and let the rope do the work. What he's referring to with that is the boundary training he teaches is like he literally uses a rope and teaches the dog not to cross the rope, right? So basically, if you have a dog that is scared and their default thing to do when they're scared is take off and go run into the basement and hide into Mm. the basement or something like that, you could boundary off that area so the dog can't rehearse that behavior. Right, and you can get the dog to focus in on something. Right, yeah. so so you're teaching the dog don't worry about those fireworks. Worry about making sure you don't that you still respect these boundaries that I have in place for you. Yeah. Right, or it could be something as simple as if the boundaries for our dog are you're not allowed to be on furniture, you're not allowed to jump on people, or things like that. Yeah, if you get scared and go into this hyperactive state where you try to take off 
and then jump onto a piece of furniture you're not supposed to be on because you feel safe and secure there or jump and crawl over me because you feel safe and secure there. We're going to enforce those boundaries and we're going to give corrections for those boundaries. Same deal, focusing you in even more. Mm -hmm. And it's the same exact concept. Pay attention to the information that I'm giving you and make sure that you heed those boundaries still. Yeah. Right? Now, in the house, in a lot of cases, what I'll do is I'll just do a bed stay with the dog, Mm -hmm. right, for the entire couple hours that the fireworks are going on, and I'll teach the dog to focus through those fireworks using that bed stay. Yeah. Right? And guess what? It's not like you're going to immediately make the dog love them right away, but if you have a dog that typical... Typically, their response is run, hide, and you have no control over them in that moment. Mm -hmm. Getting them onto a bed will at least take 50% of their brain off of what's going on, get them focused on a task, get them focused on you, so that they could start to then develop this new habit of experiencing these noises and not rehearsing this default um, run and hide or run and react kind of thing. Yep. Right? Next, obviously, you get into his next paragraph. He had, what's the key to this? A simple rewrite of FDR's famous quote, you can only cure fear with fear itself. I think a lot of people had an issue with the way he said that, too. Of course. Right? Because, again, yeah. it's, it's, it's creating this general idea of we're making the dog scared of us. Mm-hmm. Right? We want the dog more scared of us than of these fireworks. And here's the thing. A lot of that is just the blunt way that it's put. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Actually, I do want to make sure that my dog has more respect for me than they do my guests that come in the house, than Mm -hmm. they do the noises that are going on outside of my house. I want to make sure I have the leadership established where I know I'm going to have control over them through all of those things, whether it's because they want the things that I have for them or whether it's because they want to avoid the consequences that I will provide for not doing those things. Yes. Right? And let's look at this like let's humanize these types of things. Mm -hmm. Right? I respected my parents' boundaries regardless of how enticing or scary the things going on in or around my house were because obviously when I behaved myself, I liked the relationship that I had with them. Right? (laughs) And I liked the rewards that I got for appropriate behavior and stuff like that. But more importantly, I didn't do certain things because I didn't like the consequences that came from it. Now, Mm -hmm. again, does that mean that I was scared of them? It didn't mean that I was scared of my parents. Mm -hmm. It meant that I was scared of the consequences. And that's the key with this. When he says you could only cure fear with fear itself, it doesn't mean we want our dog to be scared of us. It means we want our dog to be scared of the consequences for dangerous or inappropriate behavior. And that's the kicker with that. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I just... It's just it just it's just funny to me that people get so upset about it's that, the same it's know? the same stuff we gotta re go over this stuff all day long, right? Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll keep going through this. Yeah, go we'll ahead. Keep going through this, right? <clears throat> so he said, think about it for a second and you will agree. That was the, the the what I just said is the thought process of that. If you really look at that, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. We have to have our dog care enough about the consequences or be scared enough about the consequences. Yep. Right. Yep. <clears throat> now, when I say these things, I say care enough about the consequences because we want our dog to be aware of them, but not living in constant fear of them. Right. Yeah. We've talked about this before. I am scared of go- the idea of going to jail scares me. Yeah. Right. That would be an awful time. Yeah. I would be petrified if I went to jail, mm-hmm. but I don't live in constant fear of going to jail because no. I know how to avoid those consequences. Exactly. Right. Yep. 
So moving on to the next part here. He said, you could diminish the arousal or you could let it persist. Let your dog suffer through hours of terror because you are terrified of applying any sort of restraint that will scare the dog. Here's the hint. Your dog is already scared. You are afraid of the emotion that is already on overload, right? So this is the thing too, right? Your dog's already traumatized. You're just giving them something else. You're, you're teaching them to focus that fear in on something else that is going to be more productive that they're going to have more control over, right? Yeah. A lot of times the fear or the anxiety is the fear or anxiety of the unknown, right? Mm-hmm. Your dog doesn't know what's going on outside of the house. No. They don't know what the thunderstorm is. They don't know what the fireworks are, right? Mm-hmm. So being scared of those unpredictable things, there's never an escape for them because nothing yeah. can explain those things to them, mm-hmm. right? Now, let's say I shift that fear to being scared of breaking a bed stay, right? That is something that if you've done a good enough job of teaching, That is something that they have control over. That is something they can understand clearly what the boundaries are, right? Now, the fear or the anxiety of the unknown is gone. It's now fear of a known thing to them. Mm -hmm. It's fear of something that they have control over. And once they realize how they have control over that thing, Mm -hmm. that's where they could then start to become comfortable and confident in the correct decision. True. Right? Yeah. That is the key with this, right? So first, we have to channel the fear onto something else, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to channel it onto something or into a quote-unquote game the dog can win, Yeah. right? Me staying out of jail is a game that I can win, (laughs) Yeah. right? I'm I'm switching back and forth between dog-human, dog-human. It's a game I can win Mm -hmm. because I know what the rules of that game are. Right, holding a bed stay around something that's scary, right, yeah. is a game the dog can win, yeah, because it's a game they know the rules for. Never right? thought of it that way, like <clears throat> that's crazy, right? So, so that's why, and that's why going to training, right? Like when we work on training, I did a one on one with uh, Seamus yesterday with one of his board and trains, and we were talking about the cycles that a dog goes through when they're learning a behavior. He was working on a recall with a dog, right. Okay. And the dog was performing the recall. The dog was doing it. Yeah. Right? But the dog wasn't confident in the decision to do it yet. Mm. Right? So he would do it, but he was kind of like, wait a minute. What am I supposed... You know what I mean? Like He was like still figuring it out, but he did it correctly every time. Mm. And in Seamus' mind, he was like, okay, cool. Like, well, I think we need to move on to the next step with this dog. I was like, not yet, because the dog isn't confident in the decision to do this correctly yet. Yeah. Right. So looking at rehabbing fearings or uh, uh, fo- these phobias and stuff like that, fireworks, noises, things like that. Right. First, we need to get the dog to do the thing successfully. Right. Yeah. We need to get them to do the bed stay in the presence of the fireworks. Stay on the leash without freaking out in the case of Gary's example um, around the fireworks, those types of things. Then once they do it successfully, that's when the confidence comes in as they realize, wow, I'm doing this successfully around this thing that was scary. And I'm realizing that it's not that bad. It's the same exact process Waffles went through with the stairs. 
right? Yeah. It's the same process of when I got him down the stairs the first 10 times. Each time, he started doing it more and more successfully. He would go down the stairs, but he had to develop the confidence mm. in going down the stairs. Mm -hmm. So you need to get the dog to do the physical thing so then the emotional state of mind can change as they do it successfully. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying making sense. I feel like I'm, I'm going no, in a lot of directions. No, it's great. <clears throat> okay. Next part. So do something or not. Tell your dog it's not the fireworks you have to worry about. It's me. Otherwise, the dog comes to the conclusion that the fireworks or God is more powerful than you. Right? <laughs> this is the kicker with this. Right? Yeah. Because here's the thing. Right? We talked about a lot of this has to do with this emotional state that we as humans get in. Right? Where we're like, this is so scary. Yeah. This is so scary and my dog is so scared and I need to just do anything I can to make them feel safe and you play this game of we just avoid the problem. Mm -hmm. My dog's scared of it and it's going to be so hard to work them through it or in most people's minds it's impossible to work my dog through yeah. it just due to all the jargon you see online about this <laughs> kind of stuff. Oh, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm just going to let them just rehearse this fearful behavior forever for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. Right? And listen, that's your choice. You know what I mean? If you want to do that, that's fine. But just keep in mind, if you're doing that, right? One, you're never giving the dog an opportunity to work through this, and the behavior will get worse over time. When you look at dogs that have really, really bad noise phobia issues, it is progressively getting worse every year that it happens. Mm -hmm. And you're getting progressively less and less and less control over those things, and you're inherently teaching the dog that when you're scared, I am irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I don't matter when I'm when you're scared because, like Gary said, right? God is more powerful than you. The yeah. things that are out of your control are more powerful than you are, which is a horrendous state of mind for a dog to be in. Yeah. Right? Let's equate this to something else that we see a lot. Dogs that have leash aggression issues, right? When we say that we don't have control over the environment around us, and we say, I just had a phone conversation with a guy today, and he said, you know, sometimes it's just inevitable. People come up and pet my dog. I was like, no, no. No. <laughs> I was like, it's not inevitable. The second your dog starts seeing that it's inevitable that you're not going to handle certain situations, your dog begins not paying a single iota of attention to you <laughs> out on the walk. No. Right? You become irrelevant because the things going on around are more powerful than you are, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> hmm. Then he obviously got into the example of during the Civil War, plow horses were turned into artillery horses in the morning and shot over in the afternoon. Current war horses, uh, war dogs thrive on big noise, et cetera, et cetera, genetic component to it. Yes, again, there are some animals that can handle this more or less than others, but the idea and what he was getting at, I think, with that part of things is when things don't become an option, right? There was no option for these plow horses yeah. to do anything other than trot into war and get used to that kind of stuff, Yeah, right? You get used to it pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> so whatever. Then he got into the mentioning treats and gradual desensitization. That's the biggest load of BS. I'll tell you, dude, the whole playing the noises on the radio and getting them used to it little by little, it's mm -hmm. just so different. It is oh, You yeah. will not be able to replicate truly what those sensations are like to your dog. You yeah. won't, right? And again, 
if your mentality is my dog has to like these things, which desensitization and counter conditioning, the idea of it is we're teaching the dog to like these things in order for them to not act inappropriately or fighting a losing battle. Because there will always be something that scares your dog. And you could have the greatest year of desensitizing your dog to these noises and do really, really well with it. But then suddenly it happens and maybe you do good for the first 10 minutes. And then after 10 minutes, a really loud firework happens and your dog suddenly gets spooked. And then all of that training you just did goes the fuck out the window. Yeah. Goes the fuck out the window. And then you waste an entire year, (laughs) right? Because you have no means of actually holding the dog to that standard and gaining true leadership over your dog with these types of things. Yeah. So... What do we got here? I'm curious how long we've been rambling for. 35 minutes. Look yeah. at that. <clears throat> so, so listen. So what is my recommendation as far as working through these types of things? Yeah. So first thing is over the course of this year, you got to get your training right. You got to get your training right. You got to make sure your duration commands are good. That's really what's going to be your saver, saving grace with this kind of stuff, right? Got to make sure your bed stays and your downstays are fucking rock solid. You also have to make sure the foundations of those commands are good enough where you could hold the dog accountable for performing those behaviors, whether by rewarding them for doing it correctly or correcting them for not doing it correctly so we can balance mm. out both ends, yeah. right? <clears throat> you need to start looking at fireworks, gunshots, thunderstorms, other loud noises, whatever, vacuum cleaner, you know, like literally any of these types of things that might be scaring your dog, Mm -hmm. you need to start looking at them as distractions as opposed to just end-all, be-all, traumatizing, like, horrors. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's all they are. They're emotionally charged distractions for your dog, right? And then you need to start chasing those distractions to work your dog past them right? Mm -hmm. Find any of those things your dog may be scared of and begin making sure that you have control and compliance around those types of things. Mm. If possible, start with easier ones. If your dog's scared of the vacuum cleaner, make sure they could hold a bed stay around the vacuum cleaner. Yeah. If your dog has no impulse control when your guests come in the house because their default response is run at those people with all their might, make sure you have impulse control around the guests coming into the house, right? If your dog gets scared and reacts when um, you're out on the walk, when dogs pass by and when people pass by and when cars drive by, make sure you have impulse control around those things. And when you have all of those boxes checked, each time these phobias get less and less and less and less Mm -hmm. until you work through the bigger ones. Yeah. And that's it's it's it, it it sounds stupid, right? But it really is as simple as that. Yeah. It truly is as simple as that. You know what I mean? Yeah. We you know it's it's interesting. Fourth of July, we have forty five dogs at the facility every single year. You know mm. what I mean? And guess yeah. what we don't have? <laughs> we don't have dogs freaking out. Yeah. And we live in a goddamn war zone. Oh, yeah. Dude, we're, we're located. <laughs> we're surrounded by everybody doing fireworks. Oh, everybody. And we got to do potty runs, right? We got to do all yeah. this kind of stuff. But because the dogs are trained, we can keep them focused on things. If we take them outside and a firework goes off and they start reacting, you know, because we'll see that a lot, we correct them for it. We yeah. don't allow them to do that. Yeah. And because of that, they don't cycle into that fearful state of mind and they realize, I've got to pay attention to the people that I'm with right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I think, you know, people, they, they look at each different problem they have with their dog as a different thing. But it's like if you have that control in one facet, it's going to make everything better. They're, they're individual problems, 
But the solution to them is gaining more leadership to mm. work through bigger problems. Exactly. Each time I work through a little issue, I increase my like leadership capital with my dog. Yes. Where I start teaching them, when you're scared, look to me. Yep. Don't act on your own. Don't act impulsively. Look to me. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you got to do. Exactly. So it's interesting. You know, again, we had whatever, you know, like somebody <laughs> commented on this. They said, do, do, do. Yeah, this person said, what? When a dog is scared, just tell them no. I completely disagree with this. Just give the dog's anxiety medication and call it a day. Oh, okay. God. Okay. Like, yeah, that's a solution. Not one right? of those. <clears throat> do, do, do. Yeah, another guy, this this trainer around here, he said, holy shit, this is horrible advice. <laughs> but it's not, right? So I replied back. This this was an interesting one, right? Okay. There are questions. I said. I said. I said there are questionable safety protocols as far as not going outside in an unsecured area and clarifying that realistic expectations as far as proximity to the fireworks that are important. I understand that, mm -hmm. right? I was like, but the general idea of don't let the dog cycle through the fear and regain control is a definitely wait. Oh, is definitely not in how we've helped massive anxiety issues for years. Right. Again, I understand some of people's issues with it, primarily just those. If you would have clarified, stay in a fenced in area, yeah. have a backup, don't go to the fireworks show still. Yeah. I think it would have been a lot better. But that's the general point of this. Yeah. Don't let the dog cycle through the anxiety, right? And regain control of them immediately when they're in a fearful state of mind. Yep. That will help them work through these things. Oh yeah. So he said, the key is you can only cure fear with fear itself. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Now, we talked about how that works already, yeah. obviously, right? He said, so many dogs would freak out even more with this approach, only adding to their psychological trauma attached to the stimulus. But this is where you get into people making assumptions without actually doing it, right? Yeah. You're already saying you would not do this, right? Because yeah. you're assuming it would make it worse. Mm -hmm. But we already described how it does work. Exactly. Right? Um. But you're talking about exposing a dog to a very stressful stimulus. One of the top three, fireworks, gunshots, storms. We talked about those three, obviously. With a known negative reaction, restraining their movement, and bonking them when they freak out. Come on, dude. The success rate on this training scenario is dismal at best. I've seen the results and have had to retrain many a dog who has been through this. I know that we don't share a lot of training techniques, but holy shit. <laughs> Jesus. Chill Christ. out. Bro. Yeah, dude. First off, I Whoa. hate the conversation about like um th th this. I hate when people say this, right? I've had to train retrain so many dogs who have been through this, right? Oh, I bet you. Trainers have. trainers love doing that. If like, oh, this person did horrible training and I had <laughs> to fix it. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> I fixed it. That's not how it works, right? Like no. if training didn't work in nine out of 10 scenarios, it's because of improper application of the training. Yes. Right? Again, the concept of giving the dog something to do, if it's a trained behavior, right? And holding them accountable to doing that specific thing, mm -hmm. there's nothing, you know, like that's literally what this guy does. Oh, that's what every yeah. trainer on the face of the planet does is they teach yes. the dog to do something. And if the dog is too distracted or overcome by something around them to focus in on doing that thing, mm -hmm. they figure out a way to hold the dog accountable for that thing. Yeah. Right? So I replied back. I said, 
the blunt verbiage used is not productive from the standpoint of like Gary, right? Like he uses blunt verbiage that is not productive from the standpoint of changing other people's minds, obviously, right? (laughs) I was like, it makes it sound way worse than it is in the case of talking about using fear to cure fear kind of thing, right? How I explained it and described it, obviously, is a more productive way of getting people to understand that concept, obviously. But I said... I'd argue that a large majority of trainers don't struggle with these types of issues we see so many owner's dogs struggle with because we all implement this general philosophy of if we need to get the dog to do something or not do something, generally, we're going to make sure we get them to do it. We don't allow them to cycle into these destructive states of mind. Call it fear, call it respect, call it direction, doesn't matter. And that is the key with it. We hold that general philosophy to everything we do with our dogs. Yep. Right? Everything. And because we do it in all of the minor areas of our dog's life, when the big things happen, we have so much more leverage to be able to address that. And our dogs don't cycle into that ridiculous of a fearful state to begin with. Yeah. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped replying. <laughs> <clears throat> Always. So listen, you know, that's my general thoughts on noise phobias, firework anxiety, things like that. <sighs> you know, it's, it's, I, th- I think it's important. I-, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, right? It was, uh, it was an Ivan Blavinov podcast. who's a sport dog trainer, really popular sport dog trainer. And he had a great podcast he did with, um, <clears throat> this guy up in Alaska who is a five-time Iditarod winner. Oh, it, was a, it, was a, it was actually a sweet podcast. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, they were talking about, you know, the things that they do for it and this and that. And they got into talking about training concepts and talking about avoiding problems with dogs and this and that. And, you know, the the guy that he was interviewing in it said at one point, he said, you know, he said, it's just, it's so important that people understand the whys behind things. He's like, because us as trainers, we can give solutions all day long to things, right? Mm-hmm. You could tell me I'm having this issue with my dog. What do I do? And I could tell you what to do, right? And we do that. And, and it's important for people to just do the right things first, obviously, yeah. right? And if we tell you to do the right thing, you'll get the results. But if I'm not also explaining to you why the dog is rehearsing the negative behavioral issue and why the thing that we're going to do is going to solve the behavioral issue, mm-hmm. if at inevitably two years down the road you run into another issue, you're not going to know what to do then to solve the problem the same way. Yeah. Right. So this podcast is not necessarily for the point of showing you how to work through firework anxiety, though it does. Right. Though we talk about, obviously, the concept is get your dog something else to focus on Mm -hmm. and have a way to enforce that thing so they could gradually desensitize themselves in a a more productive way to those types of noises. Mm -hmm. Right. But this podcast is for the point of teaching you why your dog is doing those things and why it is so unproductive to not work through this kind of stuff. Yes. And that's it. What I'm going to have to listen to what What's uh, his podcast? So Ivan's podcast is called Training Without Conflict. Okay. He does like one episode every couple months. Like I think he always like yeah. 11 episodes or something. Okay. But they're all, pr- they're all pretty good. Yeah. yeah I'm going to have to check that out. And he gets out. really unique people on it, which is what I like. Right. Yeah. It's not like Joe Schmo dog trainer, Joe Schmo dog trainer. Like he gets like, uh, like 
behave like behavioral psychologists and stuff like that come on it. Like people that aren't even in the dog field. Yeah. You know, people with okay. opposing views and stuff. Yeah. And and I, I enjoy his podcast. I think it's really good. Cool. And I think if you're a dog trainer, it's definitely worth listening to them when they come out since they only come out once every few months. Yeah. You could spend the two hours listening to each one. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I like that. What do you think, Josh? You got anything else to add to this? No. Uh, do you think, you know, because what we were kind of talking about there at the end, um, you know, where it's the dog, like you kind of have to be, you have to show that your dog that you're in control. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe people sometimes think, oh, you're taking that alpha dog approach. Like you sure. got to be the alpha. But it's it's really not that. Like. Yeah. Again, you, you get you get in emotionally charged words. Yeah. Right. Like, what do most people mean when they say "be the alpha"? I think some people mean this like asshole, like, yeah. like, like pack leader. You yeah. know, like, like I, I actually I think a lot of people that say it don't know what they mean. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's why it's like kind of a BS word now, is because everybody uses it in different. Oh, ways yeah, right sure. but generally speaking i'm sure the people that taught like when caesar used to talk about be the pack leader which everybody gets up in arms over also yeah caesar simply means you got to get your dog to start respecting you more that's it yeah you know because because i think that and that's another word that like you know people get up in arms over right like like yes your dog needs to respect you but we also want your dog to feel safe around you yeah. right we are trying to default shift our dog's perspective to instead of getting into their own head and cycling through these fearful states to come to us when they're fearful and we have yeah. to block these patterns in order to start to get that yeah you know what i mean yeah so i don't know i mean i think i i think it's a lot of that yeah i, I, I mean the end of the day you should have a leadership role i mean not you have to and you don't have to say alpha but it's it's like you said like they have the respect to come to you yeah. and know that okay if there's a problem he's going to take care of it yeah and and there's so many components to it we look at the individual components and get hung up on those sometimes yeah. of the punishment side of things yeah right punishment right is a part of being a good leader but yes. it is not all of being a good leader no right um rewards is a part of being a good leader, but oh, not yeah. all of being a good leader, yes. right? Having a sense of safety and security around you, right? Mm-hmm. Is a part of being a good leader, but not all of being a good leader. Yep. All of those individual pieces together is what makes you a good leader, Yep. right? Exactly. And knowing where and when to implement them based on what the dog needs in that moment mm-hmm. is what truly makes you a good leader. There it is. So... All right, dude. Anything else? Nope. That's about it for me. We're going to keep this one short and sweet. Just some uh, good bite-sized information on dealing with that stuff. Yep. So we'll catch you guys on the next one. Uh, And until then, we'll talk to you. See you.